This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, May 16th, 2021. The five T's of discipleship, tithing our treasure. Well, good morning, community. Check. Let me start over. Good morning, CCC. Good morning. Here, there, wherever you might be. Welcome week three of the five T's of discipleship. Spiritual practices, activities, I hate, I hate to say it, but habits, so to speak, that will help us in our spiritual journey as disciples of Christ, as imitators of Jesus Christ. Two weeks ago, Stephanie Griffin opened the series um, as she shared about transformation through prayer. Uh, last week, we explored those opportunities for us to spend quality spiritual time together. And this morning, we're focused on tithing our treasure. Good morning, Connection Church. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We are delighted that you're here. Each week we see more and more faces that we haven't seen in person, and it's just wonderful to be together. We're also so glad that you could join us um, online, and, um, you know, we do consider it an honor. Erin and Kyle, thank you. It's kind of hard to talk about that stuff, but thank you for sharing your heart um, on your spiritual practice of, of tithing. Uh, before we get started, I just want to say, you know, the governor came out uh, with his new recommendations uh, beginning Friday, and I woke up thinking two words. It's complicated. <laughs> It really is complicated. It's not as easy as saying, let's rip off our masks and go. It really isn't. I'm going to be praying about this, and I'm going to be thinking more about how to handle this as a church. There will be some differences. There will be some changes, um, but we'll send a communication out after some discussion with lead team and, and a lot of prayer. So look for something like Thursday or Friday, one of those mail won't be Friday, because that's when you get your Friday update. So it'll probably be on Thursday. Um, You'll get a, we call it MailChimp. I call it monkey mail. Um, So make sure that you check your email on on how we're going to handle next steps. Okay? All right. Um, Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. We are grateful. We are so grateful to be able to be together. And so, right now, settle us in, whether it's right here at 4744 Summit Bridge Road or in our homes or maybe people are listening as they're on the road or at work. God, thank you for the opportunity to share your word found in Scripture. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. So, love makes the world go round. That's a song. That's a song. Many maybe have heard of it. Many artists have, 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 have sung that over the years, recorded it. On the other hand, many artists have recorded the song, Money Makes the World money, Go money, Round. Money, that's, money. that's another. Nearly 60 years ago, the Beatles, uh, the Beatles sang, Can't Buy Me Love. So. But on, on the other hand, they also had a song that said, Money Don't Get Everything It's True, But What It Don't Get I Can't Use. Now Give Me Money. So, funny, isn't it? Love and money. Love and money seem to kind of go almost hand in hand. You know that expression, uh, I wouldn't do it for love nor money. You know, there's nothing 
that could make me want to do that. It seems that these two things, love and money, may be two of those powerful forces going, love and money. And so we have to ask, well, why? Why is that? Why are love and money such powerful forces in our lives? Well, let's take love first. Love kind of ties up our brains, ties up our hearts, ties up our emotions. It affects us all the way to the core of our soul. Love can consume us. And we've shared before, love is so multifaceted. Um, the Greeks actually had as many as eight words for love, words that include romantic love, love of family, love of friend, love of oneself, playful love, obsessive love, enduring love, unconditional love. Well, that's complicated. Yeah. Love can overpower us. It can control us. And if we let it in, both positive and negative ways that love can affect us. And so like love, money can also consume us as we think about it, as our emotions get tied up in it. It can also affect us all the way down to the core of our soul. Money is often the measure of our worth, isn't it? Like in the marketplace, how, how much uh, at the office, you know, how, what do you make? What do I make? How does that compare? Uh, 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 how much uh, do we have? What do we have? How much of it? How much treasure are we in possession of? And just like love, what eight, eight words, love is a many splendored thing for, to the Greeks, but, you know, I saw a list of money. There were a hundred, and this, that wasn't the exhaustive list, but the, a list of a hundred different names for money. Buck, bread, bacon, cash, cash, coin, cabbage, celery, cheese, well, cheddar, cha-ching. I can't, I can't, can't, slow down just a little bit. Buck. You can put your hands up if you've heard these before. Because Carrie said, I haven't heard half I haven't of heard of some of them. Buck, bread, bacon, bring home the bacon, cash, coin, cabbage. See, it's green. There you go. Celery. Look, oh, look, I said there's no way it's celery. It was on there. Cheese, cheddar. See, you hadn't think cheddar, but it was there, see? Cha-ching! Gouda, a particular type of cheese. Gouda, there you go. wait, Gouda. Gouda. Anybody? What? Oh, wow. There you go. Dave, okay. Greenback. Grant. Grant. Franklin. Now we're getting to somewhere. Benjamin. Hamilton. Jackson. Salad. Look, I said Wait there's minute. no such thing it as It might salad. be a regional thing. Maybe that's California, you know? <laughs> Sawbuck, scratch, and that the list. I mean, we just started to scratch the surface of that list. <laughs> there were a hundred money, 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 money. Ha! Money. There you go, the OJs. Ah. You know, we had quite a discussion over all these words, so <laughs> I just thought he was making them up. Thank you for letting her know that some other people have Yeah. So we talk about love all the time in church, and for good reason. Love, along with faith and hope and forgiveness, those are some of the absolute go-tos when it comes to being a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ. You can Christ. count on one of those words just about every week being mentioned yeah, somehow. yeah. yeah. 
And in those words, those concepts appear in scripture over and over and over again. We find love 686 times in the New International Version. We find faith 458 times. We find hope 180 times. Forgiveness 121 times. We are bombarded with these ideas and love leads the way. And so we talk about it. And that's okay, because we know that it's important. Otherwise, it would not be in Scripture so much. Money, on the other hand, all too often in church is a four-letter word, even though we spell it with five letters. There we go. We don't talk about it much. And when we do, we kind of tread cautiously, because money's a whole other subject, isn't it? Love is one thing, but when we're talking money, now we're meddling. Now we're meddling. It's my money and I'll do with it what I want. And here's the thing that we talk about all these things that appear a lot in Scripture. We talk about love and faith and hope and forgiveness. And according to a website called wealthwithpurpose.com, that's a Christian financial service site, the Bible contains 2,300 verses. Let that one sink in. Dealing with Money, wealth, and possession. 2,300, over 800 more verses than love, faith, hope, forgiveness combined. 15% of Jesus' teaching focused on this. 11 of his 39 parables focused on this. So it's really hard to ignore this. And in fact, we shouldn't be apologetic as we talk about it day. So why do we find this topic so often in Scripture, so often in Jesus' teachings? Jesus knew just how powerful our treasures could be, how they could control us, even consume us, the kind of power money, possession, stuff has over us. He knew that Money in and of itself isn't a bad thing. In fact, you know, money can do a lot of good, a lot of good. But Jesus was also familiar with the human heart and what can happen with that heart when it's led astray. Jesus knew what the apostle, apostle Paul would later include in his first letter to Timothy, his, one of his mentees, his protege. Check this out from 1 Timothy 6.10, New International Version. Many of you have probably heard this many, many times. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Wow. So it's important, it's important to take note of this. It doesn't say that money is the root of all evil. Money is not the root of all evil. What does it say? For the love of money is the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil of all kinds of yeah. evil yeah we're reminded of the valuable nugget that we hear on uh, jesus's sermon on the mount it's an extended teaching in the book of matthew matthew's in the first book um, second part of the bible in the new testament check this out matthew chapter six do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal 
but store up for yourselves <coughs> treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Say this next sentence with me. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Yep. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So what we read there is, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. You, know, you take a look at somebody's calendar, take a look at their spending. And those two things will tell you where their priorities lie, where their heart is, what's most important in their life. And so the question for each of us is, then is, who or what is at the center of our lives? Is it going to be money? Is it going to be God? Because it can't be both. It can't be both. And when we talk about money, we're not just talking about what's in our wallet. We're talking about the stuff that we want that money can buy. You know, I, yeah, I've had issues with this. Anyway, God knew about this from the beginning. From the very start, God called us to give back to him, remembering that all we have is from God. It's not ours. It's all his. All his. Unfortunately, we often forget that. I often forget that. And um, God has just given us stewardship over God's stuff, oversight over God's stuff. Right in the beginning, back in Genesis, the brothers, Cain and Abel, maybe you've heard about them. Cain and Abel, they gave offerings to God. Now, this was after the fall, after, you know, the apple was eaten, after the eating of the forbidden <laughs> fruit. And so sin had already entered the world. And it played out in these two brothers. Genesis, oh, Genesis 4, verse 2b through 7, New International Version. Now, Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with flavor, looked with, I said that during practice, with favor on Abel. You're thinking about first fruits. I'm thinking about that. And on his, and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be appreciated? Or, excuse me, accepted. But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Wow. So Cain gave an offering. So what was his sin? He gave an offering. Well, it was this. He brought some of the fruits of the soil. That's the word, some. His brother Abel brought the fat portions from the firstborn of the flock. Firstborn, some. You see the difference? So God wants our best. 
He wants us to give off the top. He doesn't want to be... And again, I'm not talking just about money, just about our lives. He doesn't want to be second, third, or fourth. God is a jealous God. He wants to be number one in our lives. How do we live that out? And God being number one, one way that we can express that is through something we love so much, our time and our treasure. God does not want our leftovers. Can you imagine having an, sorry, I digress now. Can you imagine having this nice dinner for friends and, you know, you put on your best and you eat and then everybody gets up from the table and there's the little bit of chicken and a little bit of rice and a little bit, here, God, here's your portion. Wow. God comes first. God wants our best in all things. That includes money and possessions, our treasures. And it starts right there with a shift in thinking. And the th shift in thinking is this. It's not our money and possession. When that shift takes place, it changes everything. When we realize it's God's, it's all God's, when we can make that paradigm shift in thinking, we realize that all we have is on account of God, not, oh, I worked for it. God gave it to you through your working. <laughs> when we can make that shift, everything changes. It allows us to then have what we'll call a... Um, a uh, financial heart transplant, a possession heart transplant. When, when it comes to money, uh, possessions, stuff. Because we start thinking about it as God's stuff and not ours. We start asking how God would want us to spend his money rather than what do we want to do with our money. We start realizing that all we have from our house to our cars to our furniture, to our everything, including our spouse and our children, is God's and not ours. And so then we have to do like this 180 head spin and ask ourselves, how does God want me to utilize all that he has given me? Not what he's given, what he's put me responsibility over. That's the difference of being a steward of something and being an owner of something. A steward means you take care of it for somebody else. And we're simply stewards of what God's entrusted us with. And when we finally realize that, that we're caretakers, not consumers, everything changes. Everything changes. So we went through this process, this shift a few years ago, but I went through this shift... Um, Actually, a lot of my life, I was brought up to learn about Jesus, and um, I can remember um, becoming a, a disciple, like saying, okay, I want to live my life for you, and it wasn't some kind of like firework thing. It was just a realization that that's what I wanted. And I can actually remember the first time that I had to release anything to God, realizing it was God's and not mine, was you, Aaron. I remember standing over your crib, and we had just gotten something from our church. I wasn't a pastor. I was 26. 
over the church, or I was praying over you, and I remember in my head saying, this newsletter saying, she's God, your baby is God's, your baby is God's, give him the God. And I'm like, wait a second, she is not. I can take care of her better. I had an argument with God. Standing. So that was kind of my first, my first possession was my kid that I had to hand over, and it, it was hard. And then the money issue, you know, we, we get this house, then we get this bigger house, and I, I held on so tight, and my kids can vouch for this, like, life was not good when Alan's nice paycheck went out the window when he went into ministry. <laughs> and when I had to release a 4,500-square-foot house, big. And then I can remember with this church, another critical thing that was kind of the final thing. And so what I'm trying to share with you is it's a process. For some, maybe it's like, boom, done. But for me, it's been life. I can remember we were trying to figure out how to buy this land. We need a lot of money to do that. And I was in the shower, and I'm like, how's this going to happen? And God said, well, you and Alan need to lead the way. And I am not bragging, but that included taking a second mortgage on our house. That's what we had to do in order to give back to God. And it was a lot of money for us. And that was like my final release. It's like, okay, I'm done. It's all yours. I don't care anymore. Because it was like I was in over my head. So what I'm trying to say is that I don't know what your situation is, but it's a process. Just let God speak into your life. God is not going to do anything that's bad for you. He's not. And it's so joyful now that, um, you know, I can just look back and see God's faithfulness through it all. And um, it's all God's stuff. It's not ours. Everything we have. So I'm done. I'll, I promise, Barry, I'll stick to the script the rest of the time. <laughs> it's like we had this pastor once, uh, a guy named Charlie Barton. Charlie was great, and you know, he talked about when he had a conversion, and he came to Christ as a young man, and he said, you know, God converted my heart, but it's a process because it was a few years later, then he converted my wallet. <laughs> you know, it's, for most of us, it's not an all-at-one-time thing. In fact, sometimes our heart comes in pieces, doesn't it? And sometimes our wallet comes in pieces, as well as our giving up of or spouse, or children, all yeah. the things that we have. And I just want to say, I'm not advocating for you guys to mortgage anything, because that's not smart. No. <laughs> but that's, that's what not. we had to do. So, anyway. And so we have this word tithing, and I think the word tithing gets thrown around a lot, kind of loosely, you know. We find it in the Old Testament, and, and basically the tithe means the 10%, the first 10%. They uh, have the term first fruits, because that was a kind of an agricultural society. We, most of us, how many here farm are farmers? Yeah, so we're basically... Murray's raising right. his hand. He's we're, we're, not a, we're not an agriculture, generally speaking, the majority. So when we talk about first fruits, we're not talking uh, fruit, we're talking um, metaphorically first fruits. In other words, if you get a pay, it's first part of the paycheck when it comes in. So when we say first fruits as a metaphor, but... Um, and, and, and it's... 
easy to think, if you tithe, that's happened to me on occasion, yeah. wow, well, we could have done, man, we could have some really nice cars. I mean, we got nice cars, but we could have some really nice cars with that. But that's, but see, that, you know who just stepped into my thinking was Satan. Because Satan would like to take me off of what the blessings are and what the could have been's would be. The could have been's would be separating me far from God if I didn't listen to what God told us to do. And then, so um, what I say is that's, uh, when you start thinking that way, it's thinking, thinking, you know? It's not what we're called to, because it, it, it's not our money. That was the biggest challenge for us to realize. It's not our money. It, it's not ours. And, 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 so, and so when you tithe, you've done exactly what God wants us to do with God's money. And 10% seems like a lot, I know. Especially, uh, you know, if you're used to giving a percentage, 10% seems like a, a monster amount. But, you know, back the Hebrews, they did the tithe, but that was just the beginning they had other, other uh, things that they were called to give and to sacrifice. The tithe was the, it wasn't the end all, it was the start all. Here's the thing. Here's the thing for us. We've, we've found that we are immensely blessed when we tithe. And it's not necessarily a financial blessing. I think you would say, in your case, it was a freedom. It was a total freedom. That was my blessing. Because... Having grown up where money was tight, money was tight. Uh, wow, it just that that was just an overwhelming burden. And when you can say, "Well, it's not mine," you just let go of the burden. So sometimes, sometimes the blessing's financial, but often it's it's beyond that. You know, you don't say, "Well, I'm going to tithe and I'm and then I'm going to get a windfall." That's not necessarily true. Got sticking together pages here. See, God will bless us as we need to be blessed. And God knows better than us what the blessing needs to be. And then, as in the video, I think uh, Eric, I'll talk about, well, should I tithe before or after taxes? Well, if your blessing is based on how much you tithe, think about it. Do you want lots of blessing or little? <laughs> it's between you and God. The thing is, is this. If you're not tithing now, and you're getting that getting in the way, start with the, the after tax, and then maybe move to the before, you know, if that's getting in the way, well, I don't know what to do. We'll do something. <laughs> do something. Work your way. So some believers think that tithing's an Old Testament thing, <laughs> and that with everything in the New Testament, it's all changed. And you don't see tithing talked about a whole lot in the New Testament, and that's because people just knew what it was. It was like a given. You know, it's part of the culture. It's, it's what the expectation was. They didn't need to be told. It was part of the system. Just like Jesus didn't have to tell people not to kill. <laughs> he didn't have to tell them not to tie. They already knew to do that. Yeah. So in the book of Malachi in the Old Testament, he was a prophet. The prophet shares how God, God speaking through the prophet Malachi, telling the people to bring in the full tithe into the, into the storehouse, and that he will open the floodgates of, of, of heaven and pour out so much blessing that they won't have room to store it. Can, can you picture, I mean, floodgates are designed to hold back the flood. So if you open the gates, it's going to rush in, in this case, not water, but blessing. And I just have to wonder, who would not want 
to have a flood of blessing. Does any, anybody not want to be flooded with blessing? If so, we need to talk after service. We need to, we need to pray together. Because <laughs> we all want to, would love to be flooded with God's blessing. And, and I don't think I was just talking to the people in the Malachi day about blessing, about opening the floodgates when we bring the tithe into the storehouse. And the funny thing is how God works, though. You know, we often want the blessing, and then we're willing to step out in faith. It's never been our experience. We step out in faith, and then the blessing floods us. Step out in faith, and the bless, but you've got to step out, and then God blesses you. And God will bless you. That's guaranteed. That's, that's guaranteed. Sounds like money's a tithing thing, or tithing's a money thing, excuse me. But it's really much more. It's a heart thing, and it's a trust thing. And so the question that I have to ask myself, and the question that I'll pose is, are we willing to trust that God can and will take care of us in the 90% that we get to keep? Wow. Um, can we give back to God what's God's anyway? You know, these are, these are hard questions. Life is hard. There's all kinds of struggles. Um, do we believe in the promises of God? Devin sang goodness of God. I love those words. All my life you have been faithful. With every breath I have, I'm still able to say, that you're good, the goodness of God. And so just challenging you to think about God's goodness in your life, to think about is God number one, not just with your money, but with your life, with your stuff, and maybe just do a little bit of inventory. Um, the Bible is pretty clear in those things that mess us up. Love can, money or possession certainly can. And so um, be ready for the blessing when you experience that freedom that only God can give. That's the good news. Let's believe it and let's live it. Amen? Amen. Would you pray with me, please? Almighty God, thank you for your word found in Scripture it's kind of a toe-stepper today. Um, we don't like to talk about it, but actually, God, we're shortchanging you when we don't consider those things that we hold on to so dearly that may get in the way of our relationship with you. And so, God, we, um, we talk about surrender and help us surrender every morning um, our day to you our lives to you, our calendar to you, um, our stuff, our loved ones, and help us make you first. <clears throat> and, and when we do that, God, everything else falls into place. Doesn't mean things are easy, but your goodness prevails. We thank you and praise you today and all days in the name of the Father and the Son and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Everybody agreed and said, amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website 
at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers.